Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. I'm here today uh, with the fittest man in Great Britain. Uh, we can legitimately say that now, right, Josh? Uh, his name is Joshua Alchama. Uh, Josh Alchama. And um, I've been following his journey for a while. Um, obviously, both of us are from the UK. Um, I've always known he's been a very fit individual, um, and I've seen him progress over the years, and it's always been impressive to see. But you know, he's finally finally made it to the to the crown of the the fittest in Great Britain. But it, as luck should have it, uh, they changed the rules of the CrossFit Games, and um, even being the fittest man in Great Britain isn't enough anymore. Uh, so we'll. Uh, <laughs> So it's, it's a brutal, it's a brutal, uh, you know, way, way, the brutal truth that's happened. But the, you know, the the, it doesn't it doesn't diminish or take away any of uh, Joshua's um, efforts or you know his fitness levels right now. Um, so Joshua, first of all, welcome and thank you. Uh, it's great to have you. Thank you. Yeah, and um, Josh is you know currently living in the in, in LA. He just uh, just got back over here, and I've had the good fortune to like, you know, meet up with him and. Um, you know, chat a bit about you know the whole uh, journey, and it's it's such a it's such a great journey. I I wanted to share it with you today. So, Josh, why don't we kind of go back to the beginning a little bit and, and let our, our listeners know a little bit about your story and and how does someone go from you know going to the gym and being having an interest in fitness to eventually becoming the fittest man in Great, great Britain? What, what does that journey look like? What has your training been been like? How has your training evolved? I know there's like you could write a book on this stuff, but you know, wherever you want to start with this, you can start. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I mean, let's start from the beginning. I wasn't a typically fit kid. Um, I wasn't the type of kid that was involved in sports or even interested in sports. Uh, I had older brothers that were kind of growing up in the football era, which was like soccer uh, back in the UK. Um, one of my brothers went semi-professional and I saw all of that stuff but i think i was on the the starting wave of that kind of computer generation you know the new technology was coming in we had the xboxes the playstations all of that kind of stuff so uh i remember being about 10 11 maybe 12 years old around that kind of range Uh, my mom got fed up with me just kind of staying at home playing indoors uh the only time she would get me out is my brothers dragged me out and the only thing i did with them is they would like put me in goal and kick a ball at me and that was my exposure to fitness at that age but my mom got fed up and took me uh, to a local library and enrolled me in a scout group. Oh, and cool. that was kind of like the first time I did anything that was relatively active. Um, we started doing the kind of, you know, camping trips and I started enjoying the outdoors and, and that kind of energy. And, and that was real good for me, but I still wasn't, uh, even growing up through those years, it wasn't until I hit kind of 14, that kind of age where uh, I found myself falling into a world of dance which a lot of people don't know until I actually speak on a podcast or say it to many people because I don't highlight it in, in my social or anything like that. But I, um, I decided to do a little bit of hip hop and street dance. We had a TV channel back in the UK called Nickelodeon. Um, oh, I, record, <laughs> I recorded a video in my bedroom on like this old Ericsson phone and sent it into Nickelodeon. And uh, lo and behold, it popped up on one of the adverts. And one of my buddies was like, yo, you need to come to a street dance audition. And I, I was literally a bedroom dancer. That was all I did, like yeah. popping and locking in my bedroom. Um, they dragged me along. I was interested, kind of got involved. Then it kind of progressed from there. I started you know, performing. I got a scholarship to a private dance school, studied ballet, studied contemporary. 
um, and was doing that for my earlier years, but still up until the age of kind of like 18, there was no real, I say fitness from dance came in, but there was no like, no strength training as such, um, body weight training. Yes, for sure. But I kind of got exposed to the the strength training when I went to what we would call typically a global gym or a bodybuilding gym. Yeah. Um, it was, it was real old school rogue. I was like 19 years old. I went in there. Everyone was super jacked. I was like the tiniest guy. And, uh, these big dudes just picked me up and pulled me under their wing. I mean, they were crazy outside the gym, legit, probably criminals, but inside the gym, they were the nicest people that you could meet. And uh, that was my exposure, really, at that point. So it wasn't. Was, it, was this in London? Were you really in London at this point, Josh? This is in London. I was uh, training yeah. in Tottenham Health at this oh, point. Tottenham, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, that was kind of like my exposure into training as such. Um, but even still, going through those kind of years. I mean, I'm 29 now, but going through, up until at least, and I'm kind of blitzing through, but we can backtrack a little bit. But yeah. up until about 24. I smoked, I drank, um, I played around with recreational substances that I shouldn't have. And I'm, I'd openly say it now because I want people to understand that you can turn things around. Um, and I was kind of involved in, in that kind of lifestyle. And I actually, it wasn't until I was like 24 years old, I just, I just got fed up and I just said yeah. something has to change. And the typical training wasn't working for me. I needed a challenge. And I always had this kind of idea of joining the army, but I was too scared to actually be in the army. I just wanted that kind of training. And that's what led me down the road, the road of CrossFit and when I found out about CrossFit. Huh. And so you, you found out about it and did you, did you join a box or did you just do CrossFit workouts in the Globo gym or how did you start? Yeah, so I, um, I found a CrossFit gym. By this point, I had moved out of London a little bit. Um, I was doing a commute into London for work. I was actually, my, my side, I, I say side hustle, was my real job. Uh, until I went into CrossFit, but I did a little bit of personal shopping. So I was dressing people for a living, which, I, you know, I got fed up of very quickly and ended up going into the coaching side of things, which I absolutely love. Um, but I was living and training just outside of London in Kent. Um, and I started at a gym originally called uh, NWK, which was Northwest Kent. Uh, CrossFit gym, great gym. I'll never forget the first time I walked in there. I literally stepped in the gym. They were middle of a class. Someone like ripped their shirt off and started screaming and slamming a barbell. And my first impression was like, this is not for me. I don't think I could do, I don't think I could do this. Um, they talked me into it. They wrote me in. I did a little intro. I think I was about three, four days into CrossFit. And I did the same thing. Ripped my shirt off and was like, I'm going to the one <laughs> of, of you now. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. God, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating how, how CrossFit was like that for so many people. People who weren't traditionally gym people and almost kind of like shied away from it a little bit but like for some reason found comfort and found an appeal of a crossfit gym way more than they did of you know any other kind of you know gym in the past um i I come across that so often what do you think that is about you know crossfit as a sport and and a crossfit type gym why do you think it does appeal to people who weren't traditionally you know into fitness in that way because it's diverse enough where you can tap into many different facets, right? Yeah. So when you come into CrossFit, there's so many domains that you get yourself involved in. It's not just like you walk into CrossFit and it's all strength training or it's all conditioning or all gymnastics. There's a little bit of everything. And yeah, you can go a little bit more, more hardcore into each avenue and whatever you want to kind of pick up on. But I think because of that uh, inclusivity as such, you know, and you, you get little kind of pockets of everything until you find your niche or what you love. It allows right. people to come in and be like, oh, 
I like this gymnastic side or I like this, you know, typical CrossFit or bodybuilding or whatever. And then it kind of ropes you in that way. So I think it's the diversity. I agree. I agree. And I think it was also like in the beginning, you know, there were no mirrors in CrossFit gyms. Yes, there was an aesthetic side to it. But um, it was more about, you know, what you could do. It was more about the performance, um, you know, the, the classic Mark Twight. The, the classic Mark Twight quote, quote is, um, you know, appearance is the consequence of fitness as opposed to the, the goal being appearance itself. Um, so I, I think that did appeal to a lot of people because prior to that, it was pretty much like about what you look like. Um, unless you were involved in athletics or, you know, high level sport or, you know, most people went to the gym to, you know, look better naked as opposed to, you know. And that was me. I, I was, you know, that was my whole thought process when I started going to the gym. But training for aesthetics never worked for me. I right. look back on pictures of when I was bodybuilding and I I didn't look half as strong. I mean, obviously, I've evolved over the years and I've yes. aged and I've yes. been in it long enough. But, you know, even when I was maybe pushing more on a, on a bench press or deadlifting more or whatever, I didn't look half as like I look now and you know that right. without trying to kind of bit, be big headed but the idea of training for performance and then allowing that to change the aesthetic aspect of it you're not hung up on do I have a six pack or am sure. I good enough for this you're it's like what can I do what can my body do and then the rest is kind of just fall with it at what point in your kind of crossfit you know, career training did you realize you know what I could be pretty fucking good at this <laughs> um it was probably when I met my fiance. It was probably when I met, well, it wasn't my fiance at the time, my fiance now, but uh, it was probably when I met Amber. Um, she came out. So I always had an interest. I always wanted to compete once I got into CrossFit and I always felt like it was going to be something for me, but I never really, and I've never said this to anyone before, but I never was confident in the fact that I could do it because of my past, because I wasn't healthy, because I right. wasn't fit. I never, right. I never had that. My mind just didn't think like that. I didn't feel that way about myself. Um, and I would still do competitions. You know, I went through 2018 regionals of the team, but it was actually in 2019 um, when Amber came out to Miami to watch me compete. And it was the first time she saw me compete. And she thought it was originally, you know, just a little bit of a, bit of a side thing, a fun thing for me. And we finished the competition. We came fourth in the competition. I had a little team. And she looked at me and she was like, wow, you're really good. And it was like that moment there where I was like, okay, maybe this could be something. And then it right. Every competition I did after that, every little bit of confidence, yeah, there were some knockbacks, there were some setbacks, but every time I did something and performed a little bit better or something changed, just something clicked in my head. Um, and I started to realize, actually, with time, you do get better and you can be where you want to be. It's fascinating, the, the psychological side of things when it comes to performing in competitions, how important self-belief is. Um, and once you start you know, believing in yourself, just, just that, that single fact, um, you immediately perform better. You, you become stronger and you become fitter simply because you believe more. Um, it's something I was thinking about earlier, actually. Um, I remember when I was growing up, I was always like a, an, an average athlete at everything. I mean, I was averagely good at everything. I was never excellent. I was an averagely good footballer. Um, I was always an averagely good cross-country runner. Like I was always like middle, well, probably like to the top end of middle of the pack. I was decent, but never, never exceptional. Um, but there were people that I knew around me that if they were beating me, I knew I was better than them. Like I believed I was better than them. So I would immediately up my performance because simply I believed there's no way that this guy can beat me. I'm definitely better. I know I am. And then I would perform better. So it's just that simple, you know, that simple basic self-belief just takes you so far. Um, and I, so, so to me, I truly believe in small things daily. 
right? Yes. That's what changed it for me. But it was doing small things a little bit better each day. And that changed my mental game. I was like, okay, I'm a little bit better at this. I'm getting an extra rest at this. And then over time, you look back and you're like, whoa, okay, I'm good now. Now let's really push this. And once you started to believe more in yourself, did, did everything change? Did like nutrition change? Did attention to sleep change? Was it, was it a, a combination of all those things? Yeah, I would even say it, it naturally fell into place. Right. When you're doing things correctly, you then don't want to do the things that are going to hinder what you're doing. Right. So even when I first started getting really serious about fitness and when I first found CrossFit, I was actually still smoking a little bit and I was doing these things I shouldn't be doing. And over time, you start to think, hold on, I'm, I'm doing better here, but I'm negatively affecting it here. Okay, this has got to stop. And I remember waking up one day and I was like, I'm never smoking again, never smoked again. And then over time, you start, for me, I started to knock out the bad things, the good things then just became habit. Now I don't even think, oh, am I doing the right thing? Like I, I genuinely love eating healthy. I genuinely love going to the gym and working so hard that like it feels physically tough. And that's just normal for me. Some people look at it and they say, you're crazy. How do you train that much? How do you do this? But for me, it's become my love because I've trained it enough. Yeah. How have you avoided, um, how have you avoided burnout? I, I, you know, I know a lot of CrossFit athletes that you know, throughout their like 20s, uh, trained really hard and they, they get towards their 30s or into their 30s and they, they just, not that they're broken physically, not that they're like massively injured, but they're just kind of worn down and worn out by it. How have you avoided that? So I sometimes joke around and say I'm probably the laziest crossfitter. I'm not, but we, we, it's a bit of a running joke in the house. Um, and I think that's purely because I'm not, like I train really hard when I'm in the gym and I switch off when I'm out of the gym. So right. there's no, there's no carryover for me. Like if I'm training and it's, tra- and I'm, and it's preseason, like I was training, once I got through the open, I was training for the quarterfinals and the semifinals. It was like four hours a day switched on solid. The minute I'm out of the gym, my head's elsewhere. I'm not even thinking about the gym. I've done my training. My, my hard work's done. I have to move on. I think that subsequently really helped avoiding burnout, but also training for the love of what you do and not because you feel like you have to do it. Right. If I wanted to step away from this sport tomorrow, I could. And it wouldn't affect me, right? But I, I love it right now and I know I'm not going to go anywhere. And I think that also helps. I think when people fall into that trap of I have to do this, I need to, if I don't do this, this is going to happen or this is going to happen. Yeah, there is that element in some cases, but if you don't love and enjoy the hard things, that will burn you out. Yeah. To be as good as you are, how much training volume does it take? Um, how, many, how many hours a day do you need to train to be as good as you are? Sure. So depends on the time of year. Um, on average, I would say mostly throughout the year. Um, I'm in a bit of downtime now, so it's a little bit different the yeah, now because it's end of season for me. Um, but on average, I'd be training two to three hours a day. Um, and that's solid training, two to three hours a day. When I come into season, it, it picks up a little bit. It may be like four, four and a half hours a day. Mm-hmm. No more than that. There's this old school kind of way of thinking. I know old school CrossFit is like, CrossFit, nine hours a day. And I'm like, that's why you're burning out. If you're training nine hours a day and you can't maximize your time in the gym, to me, that just says someone has bad time management because there's no yeah. way you can physically move nine hours a day, right? And sure. it's just a, it's crazy. But Are you the kind of guy that, are you, are you the kind of guy that will do that all in one session or is it there a morning session and an evening session? You're splitting it up? Yeah, I definitely find it's better for me. Sometimes if I'm crunched on time, I will do a bigger session, but it, my body definitely feels better and I don't reach that burnout phase or feel 
tired or fatigued if I split it up. And sometimes even splitting out three times in a day, if yeah. I can, if I have the space for that. But generally, my condition is never going to go back and back, back to back with my strength training. It's just, it's not effective. It's not necessary. Unless you are in season and you're doing like a strength metcon, um, right. it doesn't need to be together. And usually I, I section my training. So I would have conditioning, I'd have strength and my accessory. And yes. they just block like that. And I also do the same thing. Well, my coach does everything. So it's not my mastermind, but right. we also do the same thing with intensity, whether it be uh, a low intensity, high volume or high intensity, low volume or middle intensity. We split our days up. So everything is sectioned so you know what day you're going to come up to. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, and the accessory part of it, you know, I think the accessory part is what really makes the difference between a, you know, an average athlete and a world-class athlete. What, when you when you say when you say accessory, what are you really talking about? Are you talking about you know some isolation movements, some you know maybe more bodybuilding type movements that you might have done in the past that actually can benefit the CrossFit athlete? Uh, are you talking about um, kind of mobility work, or when you talk about accessories, just just tell the listeners what what your accessory session involves? Yeah, so my accessory work is is more kind of bodybuilding, isometric style stuff, um, you know, taking away the conditioning aspect of the movement. So I'm not doing it under high intensity. I'm doing it, you know, time under tension, working on my tempo. There will be a lot of reverse hypers in there. There'll be slow controlled box step downs rather than box step ups, all of that kind of stuff. That's real real accessory. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that stuff gets overlooked a lot. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people who, who do CrossFit just think everything has to be like go 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 all the time. Has to be heavy, has to be fast. But I think the the devil's in the details, right? It's the, it's those accessory movements, those little things that that, that make the, the the big differences in the end. Um, and I think that also that's what helps you avoid a lot of injuries um, and keeps you. Yeah, avoid injury, create a complete body. And also your body can't, we call it Metcons, right? It's like high intensity work. Your your body can't sustain that for long periods of time. So going back to your burnout question, that's another thing that will take you to burnout. But what I can do is I can do accessory for longer periods of time. And then when I come back to a Metcon, my body is more stable, it's more balanced, it's ready to take on that high volume. How How many times a week do you think you would, you know, redline, as in you would go all out on a, on a Metcon? Like three times a week or more than that? You know, again, that also depends on the season aspect of it. So it depends on how close I am to a season. I think if I'm right before the open, I'd be testing it. I'd be going to a red line phase maybe four times a week. But, you know, once I go back into training in the next couple of weeks, I may not red line in a week. I may not, you know, kind of like, I don't need to. I don't need to put my body to that state. I can work at like a, an eight out of 10 RP and I can do that consistently because my body just doesn't need to be there at that moment in time. Sure. That's smart. I mean, I think again, with the burnout thing, it's like putting your body, body under too much stress consistently is a big factor in why people a get hurt and B just get like disillusioned with the whole thing because it's just too, too much stress on the body mentally, physically, you know, you just can't keep doing it to yourself. So I think that's super smart. Um, as you've been going through this journey, you you know you've obviously had to dedicate more time to it. Um, we just talked about how you were you know splitting up your your days. How have you managed that as a because the problem the problem is with CrossFit is it, it requires a professional day. It requires a lot of time, but it doesn't pay you like a professional athlete. It doesn't. You're not like in, in football or in soccer where you're getting paid a good wage to to, to do that to yourself. 
How how do you manage that? So, I mean, it comes with its challenges. Um, I'm not going to lie and say there hasn't been, you know, support from my fiance, my family, all those aspects. You know, it, it's it's just what comes with it, and I'm insanely grateful. But also being marketable within yourself, it's very yeah. important that you are able to connect with brands and put yourself out there and gain that support and, and trust and financial uh, gain from other brands. And I think that's a big part of the sport if you want to continue for long periods of time, unless you have a lot of money in the bank, right? But if you can't do that, you're not going to sustain it. So I think I very early on came from prior to the sport, you know, working in personal shopping and all that kind of stuff. I, I developed a real kind of business savvy mind and how to connect and how to sell myself because I was a salesman essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been able to bring that into my uh, world of CrossFit and be able to sell myself in a way where, you know, I can connect with brands and I can offer a service, you know, technically, you know, if I'm going to these major competitions, that's an opportunity to have a walk-in billboard at the competition. So why not right, team right. up? You financially support me and I represent your brand. Um, so that's kind of how it started for me. It started real low key, you know, where I was, maybe wearing a t-shirt for a competition for a, an event and getting a bit of pay from it or something along those lines. And then gradually it, it grew. I'm fortunate now where I'm in a position that I've recently just signed a manager, you know, started signing to, to bigger brands and, and that obviously helped. But the earlier days it was, I was grafted, you know, I was, I was hustling myself. Those yeah. are side projects. Um, I was coaching at one point I was in the gym coaching, PTing and training from 6am till 9pm. And that was six, days a week i only took sunday off so yeah yeah just put so much work in yeah i, I think that's a that's a fairly common uh, a common conundrum that that is it's, it's a tough one to break but i have noticed you know i definitely think in the last five years I, i've noticed how 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 much more effort these athletes put into branding and to, to connecting with with brands and, and that side of things because it's just a must there's just no way no other way around it unless the sport figures out a, a way to pay its athletes better um you know, well, that's how the big sports do it, right? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you're in football, you're in NFL, you're in hockey or any of those sports, it's your sponsorships that essentially are going to pay you. It's unfortunate that at this moment in time, I would say the CrossFit is still relatively small. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the support that you need to get, it, it doesn't, I mean, I've got buddies that have, you know, placed higher than me at the CrossFit Games and I month to month make more money than them from sponsorship. Sure, sure, sure. It, sure. And that's not because they're bad athletes. That's just because they don't promote themselves well right, right. and they're not marketable, you know, and, it, and it's a shame and it's just, some people have it, some people don't. Well, it's also work ethic. Like you have a really good work ethic on that sort of stuff. Like it, it, tra- training is, not, not that training is easy, but for people like me and you, we love training. So training is almost the easy bit. The harder bit is all the other stuff that you don't necessarily want to do, but you have to do it to support yourself. The, this, the, 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 the events you have to turn up to and you don't necessarily want to turn up, the, the emails you have to send, the phone calls you have to make, the conversations you have to have, all of that other stuff outside of actually being in the gym and doing the thing that you're actually trying to do is the stuff that's supporting you. And that's, I think that's the difference. I think it's credit. I think it's credit to you, my man, that you, you, know, you make the effort and you, you, you put that work in because it's, it's not easy. And I've, you know, for me, I've sent, you know, people don't realize this, but I've sent thousands of emails. I've connected with so many brands on Instagram. Like I've, I've sometimes spent days where it's my rest day and I'm laying there and I'm messaging up everyone. You know, when I first came out to LA, there was a few brands that I was connected with in the UK, uh, like Noco, for instance, they, they launched here in LA. The first thing I did is I hit them up and I said, let me work for you. Remember I was coming into your gym selling Noco and and trying to push Noco in your gym. You know, there was all these things I was doing because at the end of the day, 
I love the sport, but I love business too. And I, and I right. love kind of putting myself in an area where, you know, who knows where, where my life is going to be in five years time, but I know that I'm going to be okay because I can put that work in. That's fine for me. That's great. Um, aside from the kind of the, the financial side of things, what are the other like main struggles been um, with being a, a, you know, a competitive CrossFit athlete? Is there anything else that's coming up that's like that you have to keep consistently overcoming? I mean, there's, there's always things to overcome, like, you know, being, being two spots out two years in a row. It's happened to me, you know, that I've been to competitions where I placed top five, but it would be top three. And I've, right. know, this year I was, I was three spots out of securing a game ticket, which was a matter of seconds in one potential workout. You know, there's all these little elements and you have to realize that sometimes when you do this, it doesn't mean you're a bad athlete. You just had a bad run and you've got to go yeah. again, and you know, and, and it's not like, all right, I'll wake up tomorrow. I do it again. It's like, okay, I'll train for another year and do it again. And it may not come next year. It may not come the year after that, but I know where it, whatever happens and wherever I am, I'm going to be better next year than I am this year. And that's all that matters to me. But yeah. there's always challenges. There's always, you know, moments of, I would say for me, the biggest challenge has always been moments of self-doubt. Right. So what I mean yes. by that is I'm, I'm generally pretty com like, you know, I'm comfortable in who I am. I'm pretty confident. I believe in what I can do, but you wake up some mornings and you're like, shit, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And then, and it's, it's those moments where you're like, well, it doesn't matter what I think. I still got to go to the gym. I still, yeah. gotta, I still, you know, cause it, it, you keep ticking away small things. Like I said, will build those kind of bigger goals. Yeah. Um, and then COVID COVID man, that, you know, that, that nearly crushed me. I got to a point this year where in the previous year, so I came off the back of a really good sanctional season through 2019 into 2020. So I did like eight sanctionals. I traveled the world, China, Australia, Brazil, things were picking up, you know, articles were coming out. It was great. I was having a good time. I was supposed to be at West coast classic. And then a week before West coast classic, everything got shut down. Everything got shut down. Yeah. And I was like, okay, two weeks shut down. Then we get back to it. That two weeks turned into a month, then four months. And then before I knew it, I was getting sent back to the UK because of my visa and all those things had to change. And I actually came yeah. around to the back end of December after Christmas. I'd been drinking, you know, I've been living a little bit too good. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to take on this season. And I had a conversation with my coach and she said, well, look, you're, you're in the same position either way. You don't do it. You don't know where you are. You do do it. You find out where you are. And then we build for the year ahead. Because my thing was like, oh, I'll be ready in 2022. She was like, well, if you do it, you find out. And I said, well, what I'll do is if I can actually, and this is another kind of thing within me, I find a solution. When there's a problem, I find a solution. And my solution was rather than be bogged down in the UK and be trapped, I'm going to take myself to Dubai. I knew Dubai was open. I knew that yeah. was a gym that I could train at. Make I'm going to train, put myself yeah. in a great environment and see what happens. And from yeah. January to March, I trained super hard. And I had my best open finish, 28th in the world. I had never come that high before, you know, and, that, and that's a huge milestone. That's and that just changed everything from there. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, what, what's the what's the kind of like CrossFit vibe like in Dubai? Is it is it hugely it's hugely popular there, right? It's very popular. Yeah, there's, so it's funny. It's more like a I would say it's more a traveling location for the elite athletes. Huh, so huh. they'll kind of come through and head out. Um, there's not really a huge community of them stationed in Dubai. But Dubai as a whole loves CrossFit. So there's a bunch of gyms. There's gyms everywhere. And one gym that I was going to, for me personally, was the best gym to be in. It had a vibe of, of coaches that were 
not let's say competitive athletes, but love training. So for me, I don't need to be around a competitor. That doesn't bother right. me. Like I, right. I, I know how to compete. That's fine. I just need to be around people that love what they're doing. And when I'm in yeah. a gym and at the same time, every day, like you guys have got over at Pharaoh's, it's the same thing since I've been coming in and training with you. The coaches come in, they've got their workouts and they do it. And when I see that, that switches everything on for me. So yeah, that was yeah. very helpful in Dubai. That's great. That's great. So with the sport now as it is, you know, Matt, Matt Fraser's gone. Um, Rich Froning's doing teams. You know, for me, those two guys are like, have been like the icons of the sport from a, from a male perspective. Who do you look to now? Who who inspires you in the sport? Is there anyone that you're like, you look to and like are impressed by and that you're, you're kind of like, you know, holding up on a pedestal or, or, or that you're excited by? Or are we really waiting now for the next, <laughs> the next Matt Fraser or the next Rich Froning? Or is it going to be you? <laughs> so I, I hope so. I mean, that's what I'm working towards. So I don't, I tell you what, to, to, right now, this day, I don't doubt it. But um, I don't know. I don't think I really put anyone on a pedestal. I like good people, right? And I like underdogs. I like people where they're going to give you a little bit of a show. Like, you know, when Noah was running up against Matt Fraser and it's like, could he, could he do it? Could he take it? I love seeing that. And that for me was incredible. Nice. If Noah do something like that. I mean, who could, you know, Justin Medeiros is on a great come up. I think yeah. uh, Jason Hopper, who was at Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Challenge, he's going to be on a good come up. I think the unfortunate thing is the way it's falling now. Anyone that takes the top spot this year with Fraser out, and I don't think this way, and I don't believe this, but I know there's going to be critics that are going to say, well, they only did it because Fraser's not there. Yeah. But if a new kid comes through and takes it, like a Jason Hopper or someone like that, they can't have that excuse because they never competed against Matt Fraser. Right. So you right. can't say, well, this kid only got it because Fraser's not there. So I don't know. But for me, the most important thing is that we continue to grow the sport and, and we, you know, we, we highlight the sport for what it is. I think that's going to be more helpful because it's going to help me when I get, get to that level and to that stage. I mean, you know, I don't think I'm not on that level now. You know, I, I did have a games qualification out on a team and obviously had a great year, but, um, we just need to continue to, to keep growing this sport. I think there's so many great athletes. I would like to see CrossFit highlight more than the top five. Right. That's very frustrating for me because obviously the way we are going to earn an income and survive is being highlighted in the sport. And I would say every single, now the way it's structured, every athlete that's at the games after this current format of this year is deserving of a place. And I think it could be anyone. I'd love to see Velna come through too. For me, honestly, yeah. um, Velna is actually coached by my same coach. I'm in a chat group with him. We talk all the time and he's genuinely, he's a big piss taker, but he's genuinely one of the most helpful guys. I would say yeah. even if it wasn't for some of the messages that I shared with him over the open, sharing scores and stuff, because, you know, I can't share scores with my fellow Brits. No one wants to tell me what's going on. And I right. don't want to tell them because I'm competing against them. But when yeah. you're speaking to one of the, the best Canadian. athletes in the world, yeah. if, if you come close to his score, you know you're going to do all right. Yeah, he seems like a nice, a nice guy. Um, I, I'm still kind of baffled by how ludicrously fit Matt Fraser was. Like, how how do you think he was just so far ahead of everyone else? How how was he so much better than everyone else? I mean, he said he liked the Snickers and the can of Coke after training. Maybe that was the secret. <laughs> mind blows me. Mind blows me. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it was mind blowing to me. I think it was it was his head game. 
he got into yeah. this space where when it was game time, and he even said that when he's come out now, he's like, I can genuinely, now I'm out, I can be nicer to people, I can connect with people. And you're already seeing it. He's like helping out Justin Medeiros and he's meeting up with, you know, all the other athletes. And I think that's great to see from him. But yeah. he was so switched on in the sport. When it was game time, you couldn't mess with him. You know, yeah. he, he, and I've, I've competed on the same, you know, same stage as him. We both competed at strength and depth. But when Fraser was warming up, you're not speaking to Fraser. I can tell right. you that when Fraser's in that warm-up, it, and, and he was just, his head, you know, other people looking in and even myself looking in a little bit, I was kind of like, ah, I don't know how I feel about that. But now that I'm kind of doing those things and trying to get to that level, I understand why you have to switch that way when it's game yeah. time. I think his headspace was just so strong. He didn't have moments of weakness, and I think that's what did it for him. Yeah, I think often that kind of thing is is, is mistaken for, you know, an arsehole or, you know, or selfish or like, you know, that guy's got an attitude, but it's like they don't understand that that's, that's what it takes to be that kind of focus. That He's number one. He's five-time number one. If, or let's say he was in his fourth year and he wanted that fifth year. If he wants to hold on to that title, he's not ready to be Mr. Nice Guy here. No. He's got to stay switched on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, listen, I know you've been uh, working with wit, whatever it takes, um, and I... I remember when they when they first started in the UK, and, and I'm I'm thrilled that they're doing so well, and they're um, expanding to the to the US, or they've already expanded to the US and are continuing to grow. What's your involvement with them, and and what's how do they see themselves growing in the next few years? Sure. So I started with Wit back in 2018 um, as a coach. I remember for a good month or two, I was going into the gym every day, training. I love the space. I was inspired by what they were trying to create. Yeah, for people for people that don't know, for people that don't know that there's an actual gym in the UK, right? So in London, there's an actual WIT gym as well as a, a store. For sure, yeah. So, so WIT historically started as a brand. Uh, it was a multi-brand retailer. They actually started in a subway station. I think it was in uh, like Shoreditch area. Yeah. Um, they were selling like dance socks and a few kind of functional fitness pieces, a few shoes, that kind of thing, but more like a multi-brand re- retailer, meaning they were selling. I'm not sure if they had Nike at that time, but that kind of level, that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. Um, and they grew from that. And they wanted to really become the kind of pioneers within the functional fitness world. So creating a great gym space, creating events, anything that could kind of link them to the community and help highlight the community. So I actually came on board when they had opened up their gym space in London. And it was almost like a boutique style CrossFit gym. It's still there. It's a, it's a great gym in London. Um, and I remember being around that space and I was always inspired by what they were doing. I saw they had some of the best athletes in the world come into WIP. And doing talks, they had their store upstairs. They had, I mean, sorry, they had their store upstairs, the gym downstairs. They had all these athletes coming in, doing sign-ins, doing talks. And I was like, wow, I really want to be in this space. I want to be immersed. Because when I see right. something that I, I be around it. elevate me, I want to be around it. I want to yeah. be in that space. Totally. So for a good month or two, uh, head coach Gus, I was begging him for a job. I remember I would go in every day. Gus, you got any jobs for me? He's like, I don't have a job. If I have anything, I'll let you know. Next week, Gus, you got a job. He's like, I said, I'd let you know. And I remember getting a call from him and he was like, yo, I don't have a job, but I'm going to create a space because you're annoying me. And I was like, cool, whatever it is, I'll take a part-time, I'll do a couple hours. And then gradually I built, went full-time, was taking on loads of hours with them. They saw potentially me as an athlete. So they started sponsoring me as an athlete. So they became my main brand sponsor. So I had this mm-hmm. coaching and athlete role. Nice. And then when my career kind of elevated in the athlete then, I stepped back from my coaching role, but stayed very involved with what they were doing and what was going on in WIT. So now here in the U.S., I've become the community manager uh, for the U.S., predominantly at the moment stationed in California, obviously where I'm living, but 
ultimately will extend to New York and Miami and, and it will kind of bleed out a little bit. So what I do within the role is I help link with incredible gyms like yourself, you know, over at Pharaoh's or with athletes or with coaches. And I, I like to kind of call it the, or we like to call it the grassroots program. So it's like making sure that as a brand, we are supporting the community, which ultimately elevates us, right? Without the community, there mm. is no whip. And our main kind of ethos within the brand is to, one, be a, a hub where people can go and buy any product they want within the fit, functional fitness world. So you don't even have to think about it no more. You go to Wit, you've got Theragun, you've got Noble, you've got Nike, you've got Reebok. Then you've got the Wit own brand, which is also incredible. So there's all these kind of elements, but then also we're throwing on events. We, you know, when we're at the games, we have a store, we have a gym space. We're making sure that there's activations going on. So those people that come to the games, you know, can get their daily workouts. Anything that is true to functional fitness, we want to be a part of it and we want to support people with it. So yeah, ultimately help grow the brand. So that's really what we do. And I think it's great that it is such a, you know, a multi-brand company that, because we all have our like preferences when it comes to like what kind of shoe we like or what kind of like top we like what that kind of stuff and it's like sometimes you feel like you have to like pick and choose do i want to go this way or that way but with wit it's like it's all there so you can just you know get everything you want which is fantastic it's great with wit for instance there, there's no you're not capped right unless you sign a yeah. specific deal with with an external brand or whatever if you're a wit athlete you can wear nike you can wear yeah. ultimately we want you to wear wit because actually the wit brand itself i mean the quality of their t-shirts their their shorts that they've created now the product is actually so good that wit itself is becoming a major brand within its brand, which I think is an incredible concept. Where do you see a multi-brand retailer that also elevates their own brand and is still able to coincide yeah. with other brands? I think that's incredible. It's great to see. And aren't, aren't they like the official shop of CrossFit now or something? something? They are. They're the, they're the store of the games. The store of the games. It's incredible. Little British company that started in a, in a train station. It's nuts, right? Crazy, but yep. great. I love that. <laughs> um, so where you are right now in the sport, um, you know, you, this, the, you are right now the best you've ever been. You would agree with that, right? 100%. The best you've ever been. Um, so hopefully, you know, we're going to see what the game... You know, after my chicken burger this afternoon, but don't tell anyone <laughs> that. I mean. So hopefully we're going to, you know, we're going to see what the game's in the next, you know, the next couple of years, whatever. Um, how, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Um, where do you see, I, I've, I've been really happy actually to see CrossFit kind of like have the, have the resurgence that it's had because I was genuinely worried during COVID like what was going to happen to the brand. I thought it might completely collapse to be honest. Um, I'm glad it hasn't. Um, I think I think fitness in general has benefited hugely from CrossFit, from the CrossFit community and everything that CrossFit has taught um, taught fitness um so i'm super glad that it's still around uh, and i've I, i've really seen it uh, you know grow again um and people get more interested again and people start paying attention again and p the athletes you know keep getting fitter and fitter and fitter which you know it's almost like rewriting the rules on strength and conditioning which is is fascinating to me um, what do you see happening in the next kind of few years with, with CrossFit itself um, as a brand? I mean, I would like CrossFit to be recognized more as a sport, right? So that's, you, you said it yourself. What do you think about CrossFit as a brand? 
Well, CrossFit essentially is like a, a Spartan race, right? As it stands at the moment. It's great. It's fun. Everyone loves doing it. But if we want it to elevate, if we want to see it, you know, on ESPN or we want to see it sure. on, you know, channels where there's great advertising coming in, where there's an athlete committee, where they're getting paid, where they, it can be a full-time career for everyone outside of the top five, you know, that's where I want to see it. I want to see it become a sport. Um, and hopefully, again, it's so new. So you can't be frustrated at where it is right now. It's right. We, we are the pioneers of the sport, right? We athletes now are the pioneers of the athletes that are going to come. And I think it's, it's within our best interest to try and keep elevating it, trying to put CrossFit on the map, trying to make people understand what it is we do, differentiating the sports side and the fitness side, right? Because right. there was this issue that we kind of had originally with previous owners where it was like, okay, I'm taking away the, the highlight of the sports side because I want everyone to focus on the fitness. But actually the sport inspires the fitness, right? And I think if we can elevate the competitive side and make it recognized as a professional sport, we're then going to help grow the fitness side of it. Yeah, I, I, I certainly think without mentioning any names, like for the longest time, there was a lot of self-sabotage going on. And it was like, it was like almost, imp it was never going to grow under that, you know, control. But the new guy seems, what's the new guy's name? Yeah, he seems he's a good, good guy. He's pretty switched on, good good business brain. So I think you know you're in a lot better position now than you were before. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see you know where he takes this thing and um, the influence that he has over over its growth. Um, but I think he's done a pretty good job so far of you know turning things around and you know even in a pandemic, even, even in a pandemic, in, even in the self sabotage that happened. You know, he came on board and and. I mean, that was, that was a tough role to fill and to fix. And, and he's yeah. done that. He's brought some hope back to the sport. And I think that's incredible. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, well, Joshua, listen, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know we're a little late starting, so thanks for, th thanks for your patience. Um, I'm thrilled to have you in LA. Uh, I'm excited the the training at Faros. Uh, it's, it's great to have someone like you in the building. It's inspirational for people to see. Um, I love your story. I love that you, you know, it's every time I hear this, it fascinates me that, you know, you weren't a natural athlete growing up. You weren't like a really sporty kid. You came in late. I think you told me you were a little bit overweight as a kid as well, which is always like interesting. I went through those phases. I went through a slim phase and I went chubby and was just, you know, I, I had to fix that. Because I think a lot of people, when they look at people like you, they just assume, oh, he's always been that way. It's easy for him. Um, Whereas it's not the case, you know, you, you came in late, you worked hard, you made, you, you know, you made it happen. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating story. Um, I wish you all the luck in the world in the next uh, couple of years. And I, you know, I hope I get to see it firsthand and um, I'm excited to, to work with you and with Wit over the next, um, you know, over the next few months to, to grow that brand in, in the US. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting. Um, anything else you want to share with, uh, you know, I, I meet a lot of, you know, CrossFitters who are kind of like coming up or, you know, trying to kind of find their way into into competing more successfully. Do you have any advice for, for those new people coming through? It's cliche, but enjoy it. I mean, we are yeah. in one of those sports that honestly, I know other sports are tough. They have their elements, but you're in a sport where you, uh, your body is going to be so demanding day in, day out. There's, there's so many things that you're going to go through. There's going to be so many struggles. There's going to be, you know, most days that you're going to have difficult days. It's going to be hard, but if you enjoy what you do, you can find love in the struggle and in, in the toughness. So I think it's really a case of 
if you come into the gym, you know, let's say, you know, you're training something, you're trying to be this competitive athlete and you have a bad day. It's just a bad day. It's okay. Yeah. Like those things are normal. We all have them. I think I see too many people from my coach perspective, when I've been coaching people get strung up if they have a bad lifting day or they, they yeah. have something wrong. It's like, okay, take a step back, drop the weight, humble yourself and move forward again. And I think that is the, the key to, to actually, you know, progressing in this sport. That's great. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here with my final question. Um, not as an athlete, but as a human being, what would you say your purpose is on this planet? There you go. It's a tough one. <laughs> I ask this of everyone. Be a good person. To be kind. Like to, to, I like the idea of, you know, if I walk out of a store and I say something to someone, it puts a smile on their face. I, I like that aspect of it. Like I just want to be a good person. And in addition to that, one of the things that I always say now with my fiance is my purpose is, at this moment in time is to create stories and to create memories for us and our family. Because at the end of the day, when I'm an old man, I want to be able to tell these stories and enjoy it. I want to be able to sell the fitness in the UK and I went to the CrossFit Games and I competed on the biggest stage. You know, that for me, honestly, that's the most important right now. Yeah, that's great. Love it, my man. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, uh, if you want to connect with Josh, uh, Josh, what's your Instagram handle? So it's Joshua Alshammer. Alshammer is A-L-C-H-A-M-A-A. So give him a follow uh, and hit him up. Also, uh, Wit, is is it witfitness.com? What's the website? Uh, yes, it's wit-fitness.com. Wit-fitness.com. Get all your brands. They literally store, stock everything. Uh, it's, a, it's a great store. Um, Faros, if you're a Faros member, we do get discounts. So uh, hit me up. Hit me up if you want the codes. And uh, come and see us, uh, 1316 Glendale Boulevard. I will be there. Joshua will be there. You can come and see him training firsthand and uh, join in the fun. Hit me up. Come train with me. I need some inspiration. Exactly. Come do it, guys. Uh, we will see. You. We will uh, be back with you soon, guys. Until then, take care and thanks for tuning in. Take care. Cheers, Josh. Cheers.